Wow. Wow. I appreciate you pointing out that I'm uh, second in place when it comes to crying around here. <laughs> but I have to tell you something funny this morning. So before I got started, um, I'm just loving on folks. How you doing? Seeing people that I haven't seen in a while and all that stuff. So I had my glasses, these glasses, and I had them tucked into my pants pocket over here. Well, I go back here with the worship team and I get to pray with them before they come out on a platform because they truly have a moment where they just say, look, everything else aside, we, we want to meet with the Lord this morning. So I um, went and prayed with them. Well, then I come back out here and sit with my wife and grandbabies back there. And I'm like, oh, gosh, where's my glasses? Where's my glasses? And so I'm thinking maybe they're in my backpack. So I go look in my backpack and there's only one pair back there. And I couldn't wear these because the whole worship team makes fun of me because these are red. Well, as it, as it turns out, Tammy, the keyboardist over here, had the same glasses as me at one point. And so we had this whole big debate of are they women's glasses or are they men's glasses? And I thought, if I can't find my black glasses and i got to wear those, then the whole time Tammy's sitting out here, she's going to say he's wearing women's glasses. So I'm just grateful I was able to find those. Pastor Steph, thank you for the introduction. And isn't it awesome that we have leaders in the house that have a heart for the Lord. And if you've not been around Steph, let me just honor her as well. She has brought a level of spiritual depth and freedom to this place that, that other churches would just, they, they covet somebody with such spiritual depth. And so thank you, Pastor Steph, for who you are. Thank you. So welcome, as has already been said, online. Let me say to you, we would love to give you a hug, so come and join us when you can. That's all I'm going to say to the online. So as Pastor Steph said, we, um, there are nine of us who have, were invited to speak uh, during this series, and uh, Pastor Nathan has uh, this, this development mindset where he wants to develop leaders. And part of the development of leadership is giving us the opportunity to come right here into this place and speak. And the nine of us have been together and talking about and praying about, all right, what are we, what are we going to do? And, you know, a little bit of nerves here and there periodically. But it just, I want to honor our pastor. And I want to say that, that he, he understands the, the um, place of influence that the platform is. And he's not just going to fill it with somebody. He's not going to say, just go. But he's invested in the nine of us and our lives and seen through that investment he's made as a leader that he has a trust for us. So I'd like to honor a pastor that has a mindset of raising up leaders, has a mindset of assuring that, that not just anybody can stand in this place of influence, but also not being in a place where he says, this is mine, and not being territorial, because we all understand that this place doesn't belong to Pastor Nathan. He's an incredible man with a word from the Lord, but the place doesn't belong to him. The place belongs to the Holy Spirit of God himself. And our pastor stands in that place and he preaches a word week after week in a pretty incredible way. If you haven't been here very long, I would encourage you to go back and look at some of the messages. And don't, don't gauge everything based on me speaking this morning, but go back and listen to Pastor Nathan speak because he brings a word week after week. So I just want to honor him in that regard. So... It has been mentioned several times that there are nine of us who spoke, and the series is called Jesus, and Jesus is, as she mentioned, dot, dot, dot. Well, the last several speakers, we started off with Tammy, and she talked about the human. Christ, Jesus Christ as the human, he understands us. He knows where we've been. He's walked in the, in the places that we've walked. So because of walking there, he understands who we are, and he can empathize with the struggles that we have. Did a great job. Pastor Scott came up after that and spoke about him being the shepherd. And I love some of the things he said related to the fact that Jesus knows his sheep. But more importantly, they know his voice. We know his voice. 
So he did a great job of helping us to understand that attribute. Pastor Steph came up the next week and talked about Jesus as the Christ, the deity, God himself, and not just a man, not just the person who walked on the earth, but God himself. Terry, and Terry, I just got to say, I couldn't wait for you to speak. I just couldn't because I, I just knew the guy's going to get through four boxes of tissues before he ever finishes preaching. <laughs> but he didn't. He did fantastic and probably half a box or so. But he spoke about the servant and that the fact that Christ came as not the lording over king, but the suffering servant to serve us as an example so that we as Christians might serve other people. And then um, this morning, uh, Pastor Nicole spoke, and she spoke about Jesus as the builder, and the builder of our past, and the builder of our present, and the builder of our future. And one of the things that stuck out to me this morning as I was listening to Nicole speak is that we're talking about the different attributes of Christ through the different attributes of the speakers. And so not just one person speaking about all the different attributes, but it's different people. And so when I speak, that there's an element that comes with my past and my history that makes me speak a certain way, and all the different speakers the same way. So it's been fun for me to watch and just see how all the speakers have revealed not only the attributes of Christ, but you can learn a whole lot about someone when they're standing up here speaking. And so it was good for me to learn a lot about you guys as you spoke. So the obvious question is, why would we do this? Why would our pastor... From the heart of God, since that we need to have five weeks on one topic. Well, I think that it comes right down to this. that How can we follow him, Christ, in an obedient way if we don't know him? So we have to know who he is in order to follow him. And I often say this, y'all. I often talk about, it's not as important to me what you think as how you think. And my wife, I'm sure she's cringing right now. No, no, that's exactly right. So if I know what you think, well, I know something specific about you. If I know how you think, then I know a great deal more about you. And so as, as we understand how Christ thinks and how Jesus thinks related to his word, related to his calling on our life, then it's more than just accomplishing a task because I'm a doer. And I'm like, all right, what's the task? I'll go, go, go get it done. But understanding the heart of God is more important than understanding a task from God. And so understanding who he is and how he thinks and the, the mindset and what he wants to accomplish big picture wise, well, then the what to do is the easy part. So uh, this past semester, we had a Thrive Tribe at our house. Shout out to the marriage tribe. Whoop, whoop. So we had a marriage tribe at our house, and we, we, we talked a lot about understanding our spouse. Because if I want to be a better husband, I can know what my wife tells me to do, which is a lot. <laughs> Don't let the stature fool you. If I know what she thinks, that's great. But if I understand more of how she thinks, well, then, then our relationship gets stronger. And like all relationships, we've got an incredible relationship and we still work on communication a great deal. But a lot of that is related to, I want to know how she thinks so I can be a better husband. And I can try and figure out on my own how she thinks. And men, how would that work for me? Now, everybody's afraid to speak so that she doesn't. <laughs> but, but it's more in the communication with her, right? It's more in understanding. So we do something at our house a lot of times. And got a couple of my grandbabies back here. And they'll, they'll laugh as we talk about this. We do something called high-low pretty often. And the high-low means that when we sit around as a meal or sometimes when Laura and I are about to go to sleep, we'll, we'll say, what was your high-low of the day? 
And what we'll talk about is what was the low point for the last 24 hours from the last time, from the last meal, typically. What was the low point? So what is the lowest point? It doesn't have to be something tragic. It might just be the lowest point. And maybe I didn't want to get up this morning, or maybe I was tired, or maybe I'd stop and get gas and it was cold outside or something like that. But then we do the high point, and we always do the high point second. The reason we do the high point second is so we can end, well, on a high point. But listen, it's not so much in what my wife or my grandchildren's low is and what their high is. However, it is how they think. And you hear a 7-year-old up to a 13-year-old talk about what their high of the day is. Well, you learn a great deal about them, right? If you hear what their low is, you learn a great deal about them as well. And so the communication continues to go. So here's the reason I'm telling you that. As we press into the attributes of Christ, and next week we've got two more incredible communicators, but take in the characteristics of God. Listen to what the characteristics of God are so that we understand him, so that as we understand him, we can walk closer with him. Um, back to the marriage group, which, listen, I would encourage you, small groups start back up in August. And, and I heard Pastor Steph in both services talk about the small group, and if you have some interest in that, and you can almost sense some people going, oh, I could never do that. Well, you can co-host, and you can be part of a group that I'll tell you some of the relationships that Lauren and I have from small group are lifelong. There's people in this room, as I look around people in this room, there's different people in this room that the relationship that I have with them is built on the fact that we spend a lot of time together in small groups. So let me encourage you there that you would at least show some interest if you have interest in leading that. But if not, be a part of a small group because relationships are where it's at. Not just coming here, hearing the word of God and going and living life on your own. We all know that the enemy wants to separate us. Why does he separate us? Because when we're separated, we're easier to take down. There's scripture we'll talk about in just a minute. But I would encourage you to find a small group. There will be one that fits you. There will be one time-wise that fits you. So I would encourage you to do that. But in the small group, we talked about marriage, as I said, and understand how each other think. Let me throw a couple of books at you real quick um, that you might consider. One is The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And if it's, a, it's a, how does my partner speak? How does my wife speak? And am I understanding in a different language? So I would encourage you to look at that one. And then the book that we went through in our small group this past semester was called Marriage on the Rock fantastic book about all the different um, aspects of marriage and how to make your marriage stronger. So keep those in mind. If you want to know more about that, I'll let you know. But the same principle applies to our, uh, applies to our Savior. In order to live this life more abundantly, we've got to know who He is. Let me show you a scripture. John 10.10, 10, New Living Translation, because it says some words I'd like for you to see. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And we know that, right? We understand that the enemy, Satan himself, he wants to harm us. He hates me. He hates my marriage. Why? Because I love the Father. And so he wants to still kill and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus said, is to give them rich and satisfying life. And so we talk about life more abundantly, and that's a great word. But I think that this, this kind of using a thesaurus in, in the New Living Translation, they say rich and satisfying. And I think of rich like I like chocolate. Can you tell? I like some good chocolate. And it's rich and it's thick and the flavor sticks with me a long time. But it's also satisfying. And Jesus says, I want to give you a life that is rich, that is full of life, that is full of flavor, that is full of something great and satisfying. 
So that whole concept, if, if we want to walk in close step and find the path that he has for us, well, let's spend time with him. I, I often think, and I've told the worship team this at times, that wouldn't it be cool when you get to the very end and we look Jesus in the face and we're so excited, wouldn't it be cool to hear this phrase, hey, what'd you think? Let that settle in just for a second. If Jesus said, what'd you think? I designed a life for you. I designed a path for you. And you got to walk down. And, and wouldn't it be cool if we walked so closely with him that we found this rich and satisfying life that he talks about in his word, that we found every aspect of it. And he goes, what'd you think? Can you imagine not missing anything as opposed to being in a place where we, there's so many things that he wants us to encounter and so many areas of our life that he wants us to live and we just miss a lot of those things? Wouldn't it just be awesome to hear Christ say, what'd you think? Um, as I mentioned, the, the topic that the pastor assigned, so the topic, we all were assigned topics um, based on the pastor's prayer and based on what the pastor believed would be the best for us and in that moment. And I believe that he hears the Lord, by the way. So I was assigned the topic of ladder, which is super exciting to me because if you know me for any amount of time, I'm, I'm like a, a builder and remodeler and um, Lauren and I have been flipping houses for a long time and doing those things. And so when it comes to anything, and then I was excited to hear uh, Pastor Nicole speak this morning because she was talking about Christ as a builder. I'm like, yeah, let's get her hands dirty and let's get a hammer and a saw and all that. So, but mine is the ladder. And if you go on any construction site, what do you see? You see ladders, right? You've got ladders inside, you've got ladders outside. So what's the purpose of a ladder? The purpose of a ladder is simply, I'm here, but I need to be there, and I've got to have a means by which to get there. Pretty simple, right? And so as I'm exploring all this, and I'm thinking about the ladders we have at our house and stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, well, the pastor knows what he's talking about. So um, as you can imagine, just like you, been on many ladders, <laughs> it always goes so well. <laughs> Anybody got a ladder story? <laughs> you don't have to tell it right now. Cliff, you have a ladder story? You're too tall to need a ladder. <laughs> so we've all got a ladder story. Well, let me just tell you mine. So I was a high school principal for a lot of years. And uh, one of my teachers comes into my office one morning at 6.30, and she's panicked. And you know, always got the early, you have to be the first one in, last one out. So she is just panicked. And she, oh, Mr. Reed, Mr. Reed, I'm trying my key in the door, and I didn't get it all the way in, and I turned real hard because I'm in a hurry, and click, broke the key off in the door. Well, it's not the end of the world because I can get maintenance over there, whatever. But they're leaving on a trip at 7 o'clock. And all the tickets and all the money and all the permission slips and the keys to the van, for crying out loud, are all in that classroom. And it's 6.30 a.m. in the morning, and, and the maintenance folks are not showing up till 8. So what do we do? Because I'm the save-the-day guy. I go and get a ladder, and I go to the adjacent classroom, set it up, crawl up and you know, push back the drop ceiling. Look, I'm not exaggerating the story. I go up into the attic because it's you know, up into the uh, drop ceiling part and I get up there and I shimmy across. Now I'm over the other classroom. How hard could this be? <laughs> Take off the, over, uh, the uh, drop ceiling, hang on to it. and Well, about halfway down, I realized I'm still falling. It's <laughs> This, this is a long way down. And I'm telling you, halfway through the fall, I realized, in my mind, that's how long I felt like I fell. I'm like, I'm still in the air right now. I thought, drop, sit the floor. No, I'm still in the air. Well, I get to the ground, and kind of long story short, 
after six breaks in my right foot, and I'm wearing cowboy boots. Oh, no, the story gets better. I haven't told you the fun part yet. After I break my foot in six places, but I didn't realize at that moment I break my foot in six places. I'm like, my foot hurts, and I got my cowboy boots on. So that morning, the new superintendent, remind you, I'm, I'm the high school principal at the time. The new superintendent's coming with the school board president because they want to take a tour of my building. And so I can't say to the new superintendent, guess what dumb thing I just did? So I'm and trying not to show the grimace in my face on every single step. And the whole time, and again, I'm not making this up, the whole time I'm thinking, I hope they think I've just got a swagger. But, uh, and in every step, it's, it's excruciating pain. But so we've all got uh, stories about letters. So with all that in mind, I want to tell you some things that I hope stick with you. And by the way, you can never trust a ladder, you know, right? You, because they're always up to something, so you can't. Dad joke moment, dad joke moment right there. So the purpose of a ladder, as I mentioned before, is to bring us to a place that's higher than our natural ability and physical status can get us to. We just simply need to get from here to there. So there's things we can't reach without help. There's things in a, in, on a construction site. I just simply can't reach them, but I've got to do work up there. But the spiritual principle is simply this. There are things in our life that we can't reach spiritually by ourselves. Come on, somebody say amen to that. We can't reach things spiritually by ourselves. So what do we need? On a construction site, let's call it the helper. From a spiritual standpoint, we need a helper to get to the place that God's called us to be. In John 16, 7, I love the King James Version because it says, Nevertheless, this is Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, listen, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. So we have a task to do at home, we need help. If we have a spiritual task that the Lord has called us to do, then we need help. And let me, here's, here's uh, something I want to stick in your soul. God will call us to do things that are bigger than our ability. Come on. God will call us to do things that are bigger than our own personal, physical, mental, spiritual ability. He will call us. And so as a little bit of a side note here, if you've not been called to do something that's bigger than the spiritual ability that you have or the ability that you have within yourself, let me ask you to start, start your prayer in such a way that says, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you to do what you're calling me to do. Because he's not going to give us, as the scripture says, something that's past, something that's our breaking point. But he doesn't say he's, he's going to give us everything that we can do by ourselves. There's something I want to show you here related to the latter. So in Genesis 28... This kind of contextually puts, puts scriptural context around this labeling of Christ as a ladder. In Genesis 28, it says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head. Side note, doesn't sound very comfortable. To rest his head and lay down to sleep. But as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to the heaven. And he saw the angels going up and down on the stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, Jacob that is, I, or I'm sorry, the Lord said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. Now skip down to verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. Remember that phrase. And I wasn't even aware of it. 
But he was so afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. None other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. There's joy in the house of the Lord this morning. But he says, there's a gateway to heaven. Now, so Jacob says that God was here. Can I just offer to you that as a church, isn't that our pursuit? Isn't our pursuit service after service after service where, they, where we gather corporately? Isn't the pursuit to invite the Holy Spirit of God to show up in this place and then get out of the way and let him work? So let me just tell you, if, if you go to a church, if we go to a church and God's not there, let's reconsider that. Why is God not there? Because he has a desire. Uh, Pastor Robert Morris, whom we all love around here because he just brings such a prophetic word. Pastor Robert Morris talked about a time where he was invited to come to the Lions Club. And he goes to the Lions Club, and they invite him to come over and speak because he's a new pastor in town at the time, many, many years ago, before he was you know, at this, this level. So he goes to the Lions Club, and he, he, he speaks about it like this. I get there, and they stand up, and they do some announcements, and then they, they even sing a couple songs, and then they invited him to come up, and he gave a couple of scriptures and spoke just for a minute. And then at the end, they invited people to join the Lions Club. Somebody in the room heard what I just said. It sounds just like church a lot of times, doesn't it? But he said, the Lord spoke into his spirit, and he said in that moment, the difference between a Lions Club and real church is that the lion shows up at church. The lion shows up at church. It's not just a club about the lion, but the lion comes. And I started asking myself the question, is the lion coming to ours? And I'm grateful, so grateful for a pastor that has a love for the Lord and evokes the Spirit of God to join us by the way that he prepares, but a worship team. There's so much that goes on with the worship team and the prayer and, and just the diligence that goes into who they are and just seeking week after week to just get out of the way of what the Holy Spirit of God wants to do. And let me say this to you, the, the biggest, and people are like, man, the, I, we, I, we hear it all the time, and people are just, you know, great worship and good job singing the song, and thank you, but the biggest compliment that comes to the worship team and myself is when you say, I met with the Lord while you're singing this morning. And in those moments, those are like, we're doing what the Lord's called us to do. And again, thank you if you say the things that you say that are so encouraging. But we, we wish that the lion would have a place to stand and walk up and down the platform and walk around the aisles and move in people's heart. Because if the lion doesn't show up, we're just a lion's club meeting. Amen. So in John 1 and 49, speaking of the latter thing and just contextually understanding that the, that the scripture backs up this concept of Christ being the latter. John 1 49, it says, Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus asked him, Do you believe this simply because I told you that I'd seen you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than this. Then he said, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open, get this, and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man. Sound familiar to what we looked at in Genesis? The angels going up and down. But then he adds this part, on the Son of Man, referring to himself. The one who is the stairway between heaven and earth, referring to himself. So now back in that Genesis passage, we're talking about the ladder, where Jacob sees the ladder. Jesus gives some deeper understanding and explanation of that, saying, hey, that's me. 
So I, I mentioned before that Christ will ask us to do things. The Holy Spirit of God will ask us to do things that are bigger than us. John 14, 12, New Living Translation says, I tell you the truth, again, Jesus speaking, anyone who believes in me will do the same works as I have done, and I love this passage right here, and even greater works, because I am going to the Father, and you can ask anything in my name, and I'll do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me anything in my name, and I will do it, which tells me he has a calling for me to do greater things than what he did on this earth. Now, we start putting that in our mind and thinking, God, you're telling me that I can do greater things than you? He, he says, yes. Yes, I am. But you need the helper to do that. So back to that thing I was telling you before. Oh, let me just say this as well. That so much of the previous discussion about other speakers has been on the attributes of who Jesus is, talking about what he does. But I love this one because what we're saying, what he's saying is, I am your helper to get you to that place. Not just go do it, but I'm the helper. I'm the ladder. I'm the means by which you get from here to there. And the here to there, let me tell you where we are. This is going to sound very familiar, but where we are, the from where part of this, is that we're sinners. We're separated by God. Because we sin, because God is holy, we don't have access to God because of the sin part of it. In Romans 3.23, for everyone is sin. We fall short of God's glory and standard. Romans 6, 23, the first part says the wages of sin are death. So that's where we are. That's where we come into this world because of sin nature. And God says, I want you to be at a higher place. I want you to be at a higher plane because he doesn't want to be separated from us. So the where that he wants us to get to is in Romans 10, 9, that said, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, here's the two where part you will be saved. That's the part, that's where he wants to get us to. So the from and the to, we, we see those. So the, the very natural next question, what is the how? So back up, so the means of travel, the way I put this, the second half of Romans 6.23 says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us by sending, us, by sending Christ for us while we were sinners. Sound familiar to anybody, those passages? Look this up later if you, don't, if you don't realize that kind of, it's called the Romans Road. And it's been kind of just described um, by believers for many, many years as a Romans Road. So if I want to get you or help you to understand what it takes to get you from where you are to where you're going, then, then these, these order of scriptures are the Romans Road. And what that is, is simply understanding where we are, Understanding that we need a Savior. Understanding that we can't do it by ourselves. Here's the, here's the means of travel by which to get there. And here is where it is that Christ called us to be. It's from the means of travel and to. And Christ is sufficient as our ladder, by the way. He's done enough. And it was all done on a day where he gave himself for us. And he paid the bill. He paid the penalty for me and for you. Not partially, but completely. Amen. Come on, somebody. Romans 8.38 says this, that I am convinced that nothing, under, underline that word, can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above it, or on the earth. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is 
revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it says nothing on earth, nothing above the earth, nothing below the earth, no financial difficulties, no marriage difficulties, no past, no issues that you've had in the past, no, no previous sin of who you are. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. And you know what our pastor said to me one time? I still get emotional now thinking about it. We're talking about the word. We're talking about, well, me as, as one of the people who's, he's, he's invited into a small part of leadership. And he says, nothing separated you from the love of God. You're telling me that the stupidity in my life and the things and the places that I've been, he says, that's what I'm telling Somebody hear me? You hear me? And do you hear me if you're in this place and you feel like that the calling that you had and the Lord very distinctly and clearly gave you a calling and spoke something into your life that he wanted you to be a part of, that he wanted you to live in, that he wanted you to accomplish for his kingdom, and then you got crazy? Can I just, can I just tell you the word of God? He didn't change his mind. He didn't change his mind. And the calling that he gave you is the calling that still stands. And you're like, well, well you don't know me like, like that. Well, can I remind you of a story in the Bible where there was a guy that uh, says, oh, Jesus, I'll, I'll, I'll never do you wrong. Oh, no, no, Jesus, you, you don't know me like that. I'll never do you wrong. And Jesus said, yeah, you will. Oh, oh no, not me. And three times later, he did exactly what he said he wouldn't do. Am I the only one in the house that's ever said, oh, no, Lord, I, that, that, no, no, I won't ever go back to that, Lord. Am I the only one? And then let me remind you what he said to that same guy later in his life, not too long later. Upon this rock, this faith, this belief in me, not your deeds, because he had proven his deeds weren't very good. But upon your faith, what does he say I'll do? I'll build my church. So building his church upon the faith of a man who says, I'll never do that wrong again, and whoops, just did it again. Oops, you know, like Britney Spears said, oops, did it again. He said, whole, he did it again. And Jesus says, I'll build my church on the faith that you have, not on the deeds that you have, because you're a dummy half the time, three quarters. But I'll build my church on the faith that you have. So somebody in the house, and if this is for you, and you know the Lord called you to something, and you went and did the, the Britney Spears, oops, I did it again thing, the Lord's calling has not changed. He's still God. And if I need to be perfect in order to accomplish that, then guess who's God? But if the Lord called me to something, and the Lord gave me a very specific calling to that, he didn't change his mind after that, when you got crazy, when I got crazy. So uh, I, I, there's another passage here that I want to show you that I think this is really good, and I think it's really applicable, that the enemy wants to give us a false way to get from here to here. So let me, let me give it to you in an analogy format. If you have a ladder and you have a very competent 
structurally and integrity full ladder, and it's solid, and it'll hold big boy up here. Well, then I, I know I want to get from to this place of peace, and I want to get to this place of happiness. Well, the enemy is not going to bring this broken something or other to get you because you, he knows you won't step on it. If you see a bridge and it's all broken down and some jacked up boards and all that stuff, you're not going to step on it. But the enemy wants to, he wants to fool us. He wants to trick us. So here's how he does that. He gives us this, this ladder that kind of looks really pretty good. But the higher you climb on it and you, sure, you, you firmly establish yourself on it, then the cracks start to appear. And the next thing you know that it falls. Here, Genesis 11 says, Then they said to each other, it's going to be a familiar story to you. Come, let's make bricks uh, make them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone, tar for the mortar. Then they said, let's build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Here's the part that I want you to get. So that we may make a name for ourselves. Woo! I'm building my kingdom at that point. And Jesus says, I can get you there, but you use the false means by which to get there. It's going to fall. And then the obvious answer, when I read a lot of these Old Testament stories, I'm like, who could be so dumb? When the Lord speaks to me, are you? <laughs> we don't build towers because we're foolish enough to think that if we get to uh, an altitude height that we can get to God. So what do we do? We build financial towers. And when my financial portfolio is strong enough in a certain way, then I'm at the place where I need to be where there's enough peace in my life. It's cracked and it's flawed. I climb the corporate ladder because when I get to this place where I'm the man, pay attention, it's cracked and it's flawed. And that's what the Tower of Babel simply is. They just started to build this place, but it was a false way. But it was the same pursuit that we have today. It was a pursuit to get to somewhere that's higher than where we are, but it got them to a place of destruction. What are you building on? What ladder are you standing on? And have you climbed so high that you feel like you're, that, that you're to a place where I can't go back now? Well, yes, you can. Because the Holy Spirit of God has a place that he wants you to be. Christ himself has a place that he wants you to be. So the enemy wants us to fall, and he's crafty on all of that. And he's very crafty to give us something that looks like it's firm. It looks like it is strong. But Jesus is not a liar. And the Holy Spirit of God and Jesus through his words says, hey, I'm the only way. And there's ladders stacked all over. But there's only one that's firm. There's only one that will take care of you when you step up on it. There's only one. All the others, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty nice looking. But there's only one that will get you there. And by the way, in Romans 10, 14, there's a call in our life that we are to point to the proper ladder. For other people as well. So we're on the right ladder. But hey, here's the, here's the ladder that you should be on. Because it says in Romans 10, But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in them? How can they believe in them unless they've heard about Him? How can they hear about them unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the Scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Very quickly, getting to this place with God is God's presence. As we seek to be in God's presence, we seek to be in God's presence by prayer. Acts 28, uh, 4.28 says this, Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders 
through the name of your holy uh, servant Jesus. Now listen to this phrase. Look. After they, play, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the word of God boldly. But look, back, 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 back. After they prayed, after they prayed. We got 21 days of prayer coming up. Look into that. And it's not just that we pray 21 days a year around here. But it is that that's a moment where, where through the, the leading of our pastor, that we set aside 21 days. And for 21 days, we're going to really focus in and assure we're really where we need to be. And so I'm grateful for that. Grateful for Terry for leading that. That's coming up pretty soon. So, and then through worship. We know that through worship, and thank you, worship team, for leading us to the Father. But there's a short, was well, a long passage. But I'm going to go to verse 23 of that event. That said, and Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. And he said, yet a time is coming and has now come when the, listen to this word, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And here's the part that always moves me. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. You want to find the Spirit of God? You want to be on the right ladder? Then worship. Not just here for a few minutes, but worship. Because the Father seeks those of us who are worshiping Him. And not because you feel like it. Let me be really transparent for a moment. We were over here in the side room praying before the second service. And there were a couple of technical um, issues that in the first service. Not anything major. We don't hear it out here as much as they hear it up here. But you know what I said to Him? I said, I love you. Because I always start this with the worship team. You trust me? And they're like, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> I said, it's not about you. And it's not about you feeling it. And sometimes they've got to remind me. But we don't worship because we feel that the Holy Spirit of God is doing something. We worship because that's the place where we find Him. And in that, that place where we find Him is a place of obedience and worship. So look, I know you come into this place and, and we're fully aware that there are a lot of things that happen on the way here. There are a lot of things that happened yesterday. And maybe there are issues. But, but when you come into worship, can I just invite you to not worship because, woo, I'm feeling it. Let's go, God. But because the Lord says, I'm seeking for those who are worshiping. Listen, can I show you the other side of this coin? He didn't say, I'm there when you feel it. No, there, there will be emotions that are evoked that will come along with that. But the Holy Spirit of God moves and does what He wants to do in us when we are obedient to Him. And, you know, they do an incredible job up here Sunday after Sunday. But again, transparent. There's issues that happen in our lives as a worship team as well. You know, our, there's, there's things that we deal with as well. So we walk onto the platform. It isn't that we feel it every Sunday morning when we walk up here. But because of our calling, we succumb to the obedience of the Lord who says, worship. So I would invite you Sunday after Sunday when you walk into this place, obediently worship. And then see what he does. See where he moves. See the things that he wants to do. See the things that he has in store for you. Let me wrap this up. comes with this protection as well. We all know that. And, and then let me just use this scripture here. Yvette. I'm going to wrap up with this. That in Isaiah 54, 17, 
it says that no weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. Again, I like to, I like to know, so it says this, but because it says positive here, there's an obvious, you know, it doesn't say this. So here's what this doesn't say. This doesn't say weapons will not be formed against you. I know double negative. The implication here is weapons will be formed against you. Let me say that again, because I don't know that, that, that I'm saying that correctly. That weapons will be formed against you. But what does it say? They can't beat you. The weapons that the enemy has put against you, they can't beat you. But there's an if that comes with that. There's that ladder of integrity. There's that ladder that, the, that Christ wants us to climb, and that's him. But over here on this one, this one that looks really, really pretty, as I climb it, I'm basically saying, hey, I know that thing's cracked, and I'm telling you, so now you've heard it. That's cracked, and it's going to fall. But that one isn't. Plain and simple. I guess I could have said that at the beginning, just wrap this thing up. So there's a lot of other passages that I've got here, and, and we'll just skip right through those. But I'll just simply say this, that we need a ladder because we can't reach spiritually where the Lord wants us to be by ourselves. We just can't. We just can't. And then as you climb a ladder, I'm going to use my hands. My feet are, are supporting me, but my hands are holding my balance. If my hands are full of other things, what's my chances of falling off that ladder? Somebody heard that right then. What are you holding on to? What is it that keeps you from climbing the ladder that the Lord wants you to climb? Look, it all comes down to this. There's only one sure way. And that's Christ himself. I'm going to invite you that if, if, if as you think through all this and as you consider the words I've given you, I'm going to invite you to ask yourself the, just a very honest question within your minds. Will you just bow your head for a moment? And will you just ask yourself, and will you just ask the Holy Spirit of God to shine on you? What am I holding on to? Am I in a place where I can firmly grasp Christ? Or are my hands so full of other things that I just can't hold on? I'm going to ask you to say to God, Lord, will you just speak to me in this moment? And Lord, am I on the ladder of success? Am I on the ladder of, of some sort of false height gain? Am I like the people at the Tower of Babel that are building my kingdom Hey, the good news is, just like you said to Peter, come on, and when you return to me, 
I'll build my kingdom. Lord, we love you. Lord, we ask that you, Holy Spirit, would just speak clearly in this moment. And will you show us things that our natural eye can't see? Lord, will you show us things within ourselves? And then, Lord, will you just, will you just rise the faith up inside of us? Will you just rise up enough faith inside of us that we will simply trust you enough to do what it is that you say in spite of the weapons that are formed against us? Lord, will you just show us clearly where we're at? And then, Lord, give us the faith to follow you and move to the place that you've called us to. Jesus' name, in the holy name of God, we ask you to move for your glory, your kingdom expansion. Amen.